0: Luke 9:18 to 27 The Luke passage for carrying our cross and I wanted to pick up today the other part of that passage Whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life will save it What good is it for a man or a woman to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. Gains and losses. Uh, those who keep one eye on the stock market usually get warm and fuzzies when it goes up, despair or despondency when it goes down. Our minds cannot even begin to understand the gains and the losses of the high rollers at the casinos and I'm sure you know me well enough to know that I cannot stand the evils of the day, put it that way. I shared in a nursing home service at uh, Creswick all the oldies, poor old dears, either with stroke um, results or with dementia they were all sitting around the table. It was pretty warm as it is in those places and uh, they were all sort of dropping off, you know. And I thought as I was leading the service I would inject something a little bit different and so I read a little article from Far East Broadcasting on Kyrgyzstan and one of the lines said this, we need to pray for the evils of the day in Kyrgyzstan. Alcohol, gambling, and... You know the third one? Yeah, and I, I said to them, does that sound familiar? And uh, all these dear old heads that I thought were asleep all went... They knew I was talking about Australia. And what Jesus is saying here is, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose his life will save it. There's no shades of grey. There's no two bob each way. There's no half-heartedness. And one of the commentators suggests that this passage... And this text in particular are the most significant words that Jesus ever said. And especially as we link them, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to lose, who wants to save his life, will lose it. As required of the disciple of Jesus. Authentic Christian living, as we said last time, the cross before me, The world behind me, none of self, all of thee. I know a lady who's 92. She's back in the old church that I served in at Malvern. And she's still active. She sends the news sheet to everybody on the list who is not at church. And that's what I think is pretty special. That's carrying your cross at the age of 92. Now, the Judaistic tradition has it that the cross has long before shadowed as Abraham laid the wood on the shoulders of Isaac. We move on. If a man or a woman wants to save his or her life, They will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose or forfeit his soul? Uh, Those words are in all three synoptics, Matthew, Mark and Luke. They all appear very similar in John 12, 25. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world We'll keep it for eternal life. Commentator Howard Marshall understands this as through the experience of loss, paradoxically, the soul is saved in a deeper sense. It's a challenge for us, isn't it, friends, how much the things of the world rob us from this greater depth of holiness and consecration to Jesus. These words are part of the pre-crucifixion sayings to his disciples and there's a number of applications that I would like to bring to you. Firstly, as a young Christian, I thought that all Jesus was really talking about was our money and our possessions. Well, of course it includes that, but it is much, much more. We know, of course, don't we, that it's the love of money rather than money itself. That's the root of all evil. We read last week of Solomon, who began well, but lusted after the things of this earth, and the nation went down the gurgler. Solomon reigned over the sunset of Israel's golden age. Division was just around the corner. Remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus seeking salvation and Jesus said, yeah, you're doing good. You're obeying the commandments. But then he went on, didn't he? Go sell your possessions and give not 50%, not 80%, but 100% to the poor and the rich young ruler went away sorrowful for he was very rich. Or that of the rich fool, you Remember? set out to build bigger and better barns for his retirement, which would be no use for that night he would die. So much for concentrating, I suppose, though, of course, we all have either done it or do it on our superannuation package. And the stock market, I think, is a reminder to us that it is transient, transient. Secondly, the one who seeks to gain the whole world but loses his or her soul is not only a sad life but a wasted life. I had it more than two very godly church church officers. You know, in the days when churches were well enough off to have couple to look after the mundane day to day work of the church and the buildings. They had four children adults, um, three very fine children. Number four was distracted from life as a teenager by his mates who were into grog. And David's was a wasted life. He died at the age of 43 just as we'd moved the parents out to Retirement Village and all he could do was to move into a pub. He had a lot of illnesses. He'd not looked after himself. He'd not stopped drinking. And when he moved out of the caretaker's cottage, they found some 300 empty flagons. David had so much potential. He was a Christian, oh yes, and uh, a lovely fellow. But he would die at 43 with a wasted life. Thirdly, the context reminds us that Jesus requires total, absolute, not half-hearted allegiance. Carrying our cross daily not just when it suits us or when we are feeling good about God or when life is easy. It is powerfully summed up in Deventer's lovely hymn, All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now. That's not easy. How many times have you, how many times have I, throughout our lifetimes said or sung or prayed those words and then sort of somehow slipped back. Well, may God help us all, particularly as we grow nearer to the glorious kingdom, uh, to say them and sing them with all of our hearts, to yield to him our time, our talents, our graces. And you have ministries here and now to bring those ministries to the Lord Jesus in the context of the service of this church. Did not Jesus warn us against holding our lamp under a bushel. Fourthly, you might have noticed that I'm slowly moving to that more glorious, to affirm and deepen your souls. It's what Hendrickson calls the narrowing or the enlarging of our souls. Hendrickson says the soul with wide horizons expands, becomes wonderfully enlarged. It overflows with peace, assurance, joy. In helping others it helps itself. In loving it experiences love, that of others especially that of God. Consequently Jesus urges upon every person in his audience not to follow the wrong course of turning inwards upon oneself in attempt to hang on to all of one's earthly treasures. To do so would amount to stupendous stupendous, and if persistent in, incurable folly. A Long time ago, I was called in to do a funeral of a lady. she was eighty-ish. And in those days you used to visit. now they don't seem to want you to visit, and I would talk over the life of the deceased and the marriage and the home and the family and then prepare what I was going to say. And so I said to the husband, what was your wife's name, and when was she born, and what were her parents' names, and things like that. I said, what about friends? He said she had no friends. He said she used to complain to me quite often, I haven't got any friends. And I used to say to her, well, you've got to go out and find friends, make friends. But she never did. A life turned in on itself. And I trust and pray that we all will be prayerful for a vision of Australia as we enlarge our souls and pray for the world for Christ. For you know St Francis of Assisi's, It is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And finally, the concept of gaining the whole world is but that of eating husks of transient pleasures, of futile dreams. But losing the world, we gain eternity. The value of your soul to God is, you know, it's worth more than all of earth's wealth. Have you ever thought about that? So much when a single soul comes home to God, we're told in Luke in that trilogy of the lost, there's a celebration, there's a party in heaven. For you are the apple of God's eye. You are precious to Jesus that we might glimpse in this partial earthly sense just how important we are to God. That lovely hymn, Can't find it these days, O teach me what it meaneth. One of the verses ends up with the verse, O teach me, Lord, teach me the value of one's soul. And from 1 Peter, Though... You have not seen him, you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe with him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the gold of your faith the salvation of your souls. The more I thought about this text Philippians 3 came into my heart and soul Paul said were I to have all the wealth of this world, all of the iron ore mines of Western Australia, all of the gold mines of Africa, all of the oil mines in the Middle East, were I to have all the wealth of the stock markets and every bank? It's all rubbish. It's all rubbish compared to the excellency Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And you know, the commentators variously translate that word rubbish, garbage, yes. One commentator translates it muck. And yet another, a word which I won't use from the pulpit, you know what I mean. That's what it would all be worth to Paul save that of the rich treasures of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. I remember hearing a World Vision uh, speaker. Uh, he'd just visited India and uh, the, the local worker had, had sat, sat down with him and were chatting about what they were doing at the edge of an open sewer, and he said to her it must be tough serving the Lord here in this place, in these conditions. She said, "I count it a great privilege. You may remember the story a few years most suppose it was ten years ago now that Missionaries, Staines, and their two little boys were all killed when a rebel gang in India set fire to their car as they slept overnight. And I was privileged to hear Gladys speak at a um, parliamentary prayer lunch in Sydney. And you'd imagine... Some of, 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 of the anger and some of the bitterness would have come through, but not a scrap of it, not even a hint of it, as Gladys just praised God for the work that was going on in that village and indeed she was part of that now. She was part of the work that her husband started and was stopped So abruptly. They loved not this world. They gained not the world, but won the victory of Christ, saving their souls for eternity. After all, Jesus, the Son of Man, came to suffer and to give his life a ransom for many. Gains and losses. Will you give your all for Jesus? Let's pray. Father, you call us into a life of discipleship, of gaining our souls as we count all that we have as rubbish. Strengthen us in our resolve. Draw us closer to you, to the wounded, bleeding side of Jesus. And strengthen us each day to live to your glorious name. We pray for each and every family in this church and we give you thanks for them. And we pray for those ones not able to be with us. May you have mercy upon us now and always. In the love of Christ we pray. Amen.